welcome to Simply Happy Conversations. I'm Narelle King, wellness and organizational coach and yin and nidra yoga instructor. This podcast will help you create more time using organizational strategies so that you can start to simplify your life and prioritize your health. I'll be sharing conversations with other health and organizational experts and solo episodes with tips to help you simplify your life and prioritize your health. Hi, and welcome to Simply Happy Conversations. I'm Narelle King, and in this Simply Happy Conversation, I'm talking with Carly Nemo, a voice artist, podcast producer, who's had five hit podcasts over the past six years. She's also a human design guide, passionate about helping people to embrace who they truly are and align to be. Carly shares her journey to finding human design and how it's helped her show up in the world and embrace who she truly is. She also talks about what human design is, a brief overview of the human design types, and how knowing your human design can help you in both work and parenting. This interview is also a video recording that you can watch on YouTube. And since the time of recording, Carly has gone on to do two workshops in human design that you can purchase from her website. So let's jump into this Simply Happy guest conversation. So today on Simply Happy Conversations, I have with me Carly Nemo, who is a voice artist and a podcast producer, and she has her own podcasting course, Radcasters, which I did myself to be able to do this podcast. But uh, today I have her on so that she can talk to us about human design and her knowledge about human design and how it can help us in our lives. So welcome, Carly. Thank you. Yay. So excited to be here. Oh, it's so good to have you. So tell us something that you like to do in your free time so the audience can get to know you. Uh, I love being out in nature. I like doing long coastal walks. I live near Byron Bay, so I'm often out walking on the beach or walking along the coastline. I really love to do that. Uh, and if I'm feeling inspired, which I haven't really been lately, I'm really into art, like making something with my hands. Not yes nothing of note <laughs> but like just whatever you know I, I like trying new things I guess so I'm always trying last year I tried pottery um I did some nail art you know I did some painting I got back into painting and um and I, I was going to learn to be a DJ but then my life got turned upside down so, <laughs> well, so that's, that's something still there though. 2022 goals <laughs> yeah that's a great one. Oh no and definitely on your Instagram stories you've got lots of um different creative projects that you work on that you show which is really inspiring for people who maybe aren't so creative who might be like yeah that's a that's a good project. Yeah I think uh, people have a lot of stories around creativity you know and not being creative mm. but like it, you know, it's just about showing up and giving things a go. You know, I'm pretty. I like experimenting with stuff, so I just give myself permission to have fun with stuff, and then it loses the pressure of it needing. Because often we've got a picture in our head of what we want something to look like, and then we do it, and it doesn't meet our expectations, and we think we're a crappy artist. You know, yeah, definitely. Um, but that's yeah. Everyone's creative. Um, just I guess we just express it in different ways. Yeah, and you've got to find that particular way, isn't it? Mm. And you you have your also your own podcast, which, you know, you do out in nature. So that's fantastic to listen to. I, I love it. I love listening to it, how you're outside and chatting while you're walking in nature, which sort of uses both of your loves, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it actually started, um, you know, well, it was what, like 13 years ago, I was diagnosed with depression And I would walk on the beach and just record videos of myself using like a camcorder because we didn't have, (laughs) didn't have phones like that back then. 
Um, and yeah, and I would just record myself because, you know, I'd be running, I'd run nine Ks and you know, at that halfway point, I'd start to feel clarity and I just wanted to capture that. So I mm. knew that it was available to me when I, you know, when you're really full of fog and it's, you know, not, not great, not a great place. Like it was just good to have that reminder. And so I just had a practice of walking and talking to myself and then eventually, yeah, it turned in 2015, I think I started recording Carlosophies and um, yeah, and that was just me walking, talking on the beach, pretty much the practice I've had for the last 13 years, just to keep myself in a good place. Oh, just love, I love how you must like, do you have some special wind protection? How do you do it? No. So I have, um, I've got this little, like, I'm a massive fan of road microphones. Yeah. You're using one, aren't you? Yeah, You've got I the am. Yeah. podcaster there. Um, I, I use a little road microphone called the smart lav plus, oh, yeah, and it just it. plugs into my mobile phone. And I pretty much, well, I do, I just record it using voice memo mm-hmm. and then I just transfer it across. And I mean, I've got a recording studio, right? Cause I'm a True. voiceover artist, but I want to do it on the beach because for me, it's kind of symbolic. Like I want to give people permission to podcast in any way that feels good for them. And that comes naturally to them. Um, and so through me walking on the beach, it's ma- it's it's basically allowed me to show up every week, although I'm taking a month off at the moment for the first time in six years, seven years. Uh, so that, yeah, so that it's just easy for me to show up and I don't have to, like, I'm not, I'm not, having to jump over major hoops in order to get my voice out there. I'm just doing it in a way that comes really easily. And that's really what I'm all about in Radcasters, right? Like finding Mm. a way to make this work for you, taking you step-by-step through all the stuff so that you don't have to swim around in overwhelm or, you know, not be able to be consistent. Um, Yeah. So, so it's kind of like a, I do, I do it for me, but I, that, like Mm. that, that doing it that way with that little road smart lab on the beach is my way of saying, you know, anyone can do this with relative ease, you know, it's giving permission, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. To to, yeah, get rid of the excuses and just have a go. Yeah. hundred percent. So tell us about human design and how you got into human design. Yeah. So in 2017, Oh, was it? Uh, anyway, yeah, it was 2017. I, a friend of mine that I'd met just through the online world, her mum was going through some really huge medical stuff and she wanted to find a hairdresser. This is totally random. She wanted <laughs> to find a hairdresser that could come to her house and she lived on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. And so I said, my cousin lives in Frankston. I'm sure she'd be willing to help. She's really lovely. So they ended up hooking up like and hooking up my cousin with her mom and her mom ended up passing away but this woman was so grateful because my cousin is such a wonderful human and was so kind to her and during the last phases of her life um, that she wanted to like reward me for um, yeah for for hooking them up and uh, so she invited me to have a human design reading with her and I did and it just completely changed my outlook on myself. Um, it, it, it really did change my life. So before then I had been really just running, I've run a lot of businesses, right. Um, but I, but Radcasters was a big one. It was like, that was going to be my signature course. And, you know, and I put so much effort and time into building it 
and so much money and resources, but I just couldn't get it to fly. And I was feeling like a complete failure. And learning about my human design really changed the way that I do business and the way that I see myself. Um, which it's for me, it's just like a tool for liberation. You know, it's like this blueprint of who we were at the time of our birth. Um, and yeah, and with that comes like there's it's it's quite a complex system, right? Like I've been studying it now for four and a half years, I guess. Um, and still only really scratching the surface. Mm. It's just so multi-layered, there's so much to it. Uh, but but I love that. It's actually in my design. I'm a first line, which means that I'm very much the investigator. I have to understand concepts. I have to understand how things work, why things are that way. I'm like an investigative journalist, right? And then I also have the third line and the third line is the martyr. And it's really about being the experimenter. So it's not enough for me to have you know, knowledge, I have to have experience with the knowledge. I have to have tested the theories. And so, yeah, so human design was just, and I'm also a projector. So I'm here to understand systems and I'm here to guide others' energy. Um, and so it, it's all, it's all just, um, yeah, it's all just super me, right? Like I, I, I love digging into things. I love getting into the depth and into the weeds and understanding things. And then I love testing theories. And so human design has really been a way for me to do that. And then with the last, you know, with the, um, I guess the pandemic made me look at different things that I could do that were fun. And so I just started experimenting with doing readings and yeah. And I, I think last year I did about 50 readings with people and loved every second of it because I get to experience, you know, human design through their experience, yeah. which is really important for someone like me, who's a one, three. So, and also as a projector. So yeah, it's just like this tool of um, liberating yourself from the conditioning of life. You know, we're raised by parents who have their own design mm. and they're conditioned in some way too, right? And and we've been conditioned through school systems, friends, family, the transits um, in human design because it is based on kind of like astrology. So yeah. the, the planets and all that kind of stuff also affect who we are and how we show up in the world in human design terms. Um, and so this is just a way for us to get beyond all that conditioning and to really own who we are at the core, who we were born to be. Um, and human design doesn't really believe in like uh, purpose in uh, as a vocation, Yep. You know, so, it, and it's not really a tool for that, like to figure out how you're going to make money in the world. Mm. It's a tool for understanding how you work best, how, what's important to you. Um, and I, I think it's like one of those, maybe there's a bit of confirmation bias in there when we're, you know, going through it and we're seeing like, you know, stuff, I don't know, from doing these 50 or so readings this year yeah. um, and through my own experiment, it's just undeniable to me that there's something in it, right? Mm. Like there's something in being able to know who you are, operate how you operate in the world so that you can just give yourself permission to let go of all the things that are in the way yeah. um, and, and start showing up as or giving yourself permission to practice showing up more as who you are and letting the other kind of shit go. 
yeah, yeah. And that, that's exactly what I was attracted to it in the first place and learning a lot about it. And just for my kids, because I've done their obviously yes. human designs to see. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense now to yeah. what they are. So maybe talk a little bit more about like human design itself. Yeah. So, um, okay. So human design was like, okay. So I have to, I have to caveat this, right? Because human design was downloaded or not really downloaded, but Anyway, it's like a really complex, um, I'm not going to try and break it down, but essentially he, this dude downloaded the system and he dedicated his life to getting the system out there. So whether or not there's any truth in it, it's, it's kind of like another pseudoscience, but for me, and sometimes I've struggled with that, um, like digging fully into it because, well, I also have an undefined Ajna and head. So there's, there's always doubt around me, like, you know, I find it difficult to be certain of anything. So I'm not certain if human design is a real thing, but I've just, you know, it, it just feels really um, correct, really. Mm-hmm. So, and and I've seen the results in my own life. So that that is the that is the the main thing. So basically, it's a system that's designed um, that that is based on astrology, uh, the I Ching, Kabbalah Tree of Life. There's like a few different influences. Mm-hmm. And you get this map. It's like a blueprint of who you were at the time of your birth based on where the planets were in the sky and where you were in relation to the planets, right? So from that perspective, it's kind of like astrology. Um, And then within this map, you have like nine centers and the centers all represent different aspects of, um, you know, humans really. So it's like, it's kind of like a chakra system um, and there's, there's nine centers. So there are like in, in human design, the, the top layer is we all have a type and there are five types to um, human design. Uh, like 70% of the population are a form of generator. So manifesting generator or a generator. And they're really um, like, I, I don't like to sound condescending or like um, dismissive when I say that, but they're kind of like the worker bees. Mm. So generators are have a lot of energy available to them they have their sacral defined which is one of the nine centers and that gives them access to life force energy so when i say worker bees what i mean is the generators are here to create they're here to make they're here to build they're here to nurture and grow um they're kind of like there's a lot of analogies that i use around um gardening and you know and bees and insects and stuff when it comes to to generators that because because generators are here to like plant the seed tend to the tend to the garden tend to the seeds make sure it's got the right conditions and allow it to grow right and when they're doing that that feels really satisfying that's the success the signature for um when a when a generator's in alignment with who they are is they feel this sense of satisfaction and if not frustration right so the problem with most generators is they're they're not tending to their own gardens. They're using that energy to tend to other people's gardens, and then they're becoming really frustrated when they're got, not getting acknowledged or a return on investment for their energy because their energy is a precious resource. There's thirty percent of us who do not have access to it, mm-hmm. so that's kind of the generator, right? Like they they make up seventy percent of the population, and they're here to like do all the things. They're here to be busy. Um, but making sure that they're using their energy in ways that is feeling nourishing and satisfying to them. So that's the generator. And then you have the projector, which is me. 
um, which is about 20% of the population. And we are like the guides. We're here to guide the energy of the generator because a generator needs something to respond to, right? Um, that's their, we all have like our own um, strategy and authority. And for a generator, the strategy is to respond. So not here to initiate things, have ideas and initiate without it being in response to something. And so sometimes generators can feel a bit lost looking for something to respond to. And, uh, and, and, they, and they often want to know, like, how do I do this? Like, how do I, how do I best do this? You know? And so that's where a projector comes in. Projectors are, gen, uh, well, they become masters of systems. And so they can see the most efficient use of energy. And that's what we guide people to do. It's what I do as a podcast producer, right? People yeah. come to me with their creative energy and I help them to find efficient ways to get their energy out into the world and to get their what their creations out into the world. That's really my role as a projector. Um, and, yeah, we make up about 20% of the population. For a projector, the whole thing is we have to wait to be invited, which is really hard. <laughs> it's really hard um, because often we know, like we know what's going to, we can yeah. see things that are going to unfold and we're like, oh, my God, I need to help with that situation. But if we put our nose in it, it's the same with generators. If you're putting your nose into something without, you know, being like, you know, without being asked for your input. Yeah, doesn't go down so well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so waiting for an invite and it's about recognition too. You know, when mm. I feel recognised, then um, things just tend to flow better and invites tend to come. And uh, for me, like with the generator, they have um, satisfaction as their, yeah, I guess, their, um, their theme when they're in alignment and then they have frustration when they're not. Yeah. For a projector, it's success versus bitterness okay so and I know the bitterness feeling <laughs> like yeah. I can be a very resentful person when I'm feeling unseen or overlooked um yeah. that's when the bitterness kicks in for me so you know so that um that and that success is really tied into us being acknowledged yeah. for our what we bring what we bring we might not have the energy like that's the whole thing about the non-sacral types of which there's three which I'll continue on with but projectors being the bulk mm -hmm. of those non-sacral types we don't have um, this access to life force energy that generators do, you know, so we can need a lot more rest and can often have stories around being lazy and needing to keep up when actually we're not here to keep up. We're here to guide that energy, not, not be in the energy, you know? Um, so then you have manifestors and manifestors make up about 9% of the population. They are also non-sacral, so they don't have, uh, you know, consistent access to life force energy. They also need rest. And it kind of, for them, I feel like manifestors, it comes in like these creative bursts. Uh, it does for the other types too, but particularly for manifestors. So, um, and a manifestor is kind of like the old rulers, the kings, the lords, you know, they're there as, uh, they're, they're an anomaly, right? Like, where generators love each other, not always, right? Because yeah. you're always going to, but they, they're attracted to each other. Yeah. Generators are very magnetic. So mm -hmm. they're always attracting people and things and opportunities to them. For a projector, our aura is very penetrative. So it can feel really uncomfortable and unwelcome 
when a projector is looking in, you know, burying a bloody hole into your soul <laughs> and it's unwelcomed, not a very comfortable feeling, which is why we have to wait for an invite, right? Yeah. Um, for a manifester, they have what is called a repelling aura. And that doesn't mean they're repulsive. <laughs> it means that like things, when they're informing, their strategy is to inform and initiate. So they're the only ones that can really have an idea and just make shit happen off the back of it, mm. right? They don't need other people. Yeah. Um, they're here to do their own thing, go their own way, not ask permission. Yeah. Um, they're here to, yeah, like inform people as to what they're doing. And often that is really a difficult trip when you're a kid who's been trying to tell your parents how it's going to be, particularly like in our, of our vintage, right? Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> telling your parents this is how it is. Uh, shut up and go to your room. Um, so, you know, so manifestors, I, I work with a lot of manifestors um, and often, yeah, they've really dimmed their light yeah. and aren't in their power, you know, and a, a manifestor in their power is a powerful beast because they're like the match, right? Like they're the mm. ones, they're the ignition. They're here to start things. So they're here to initiate us into the work that we do in the world. They're here yeah. to initiate um, creation. They're not here to do it all. Mm. but they're here to create that spark, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's a really important role. So it's really important for us to have manifestors who are in their power and able to, uh, yeah, inform people. Because for a manifestor, it's their, their theme is peace and anger. And they get really annoyed when people are asking them, why are you doing that? What are you doing there? And that's because they have neglected to inform someone as to what they're doing. They don't meet any resistance if they're informing, but if they're not, they're going to get all the questions, which makes them really angry, um, you know, and their whole thing is about peace. So feeling a sense of peace, they know that they're doing, doing things correctly. They're informing and initiating. And then you have the reflector. And the reflector is 1% of the population. Wow. I've done two readings with reflectors recently. What, like just incredible people, but they're they're not, they're not a manifester. They're not a generator. They're not a projector. They are a non-sacral being, but none of their chart, you know, we're talking about the nine mm. centers. Yep. None of that is no, no center is lit up. So basically they're in their, they're on their own little planet, right? And they're really affected by all of the planets that are moving around more so than other people's energy. Yeah. So for them, their whole strategy is they have to wait 28 days to make a decision, right? Like they need to sit with things for that whole transit of the moon to go through its phases mm -hmm. in order to have clarity to move forward and make a decision. So, um, so, but they're, they're, they're here, they're really here to show us where things are working and where things aren't working. Like they're, they're reflecting back to us the health of the community that they're a part of. Um, incredible, incredible humans, but also very rare, 1% of the population, you know. Um, so within that, within those types, we also have like all of these strategies. Well, we have the strategies, but we also have our own individual authority yep. and they vary, right? So for a generator, the bulk of generators are sacral. And then you, and that basically means they're here to answer yes or no inside them, you know, through their gut, really gut led mm -hmm. people. Um, they're here to answer, you know, yes or no to themselves in the moment in their gut, right? And then you have emotional people and emotional people have their solar plexus um, defined. And that 
basically means that they're the people who are here. It's actually like a huge portion of the population, actually. They're not here to make spontaneous decisions. They're here to really sit with their feelings and allow themselves. It depends person to person, but, you know, a few days grace Mm. because emotional people are the people who will say yes to something at the height. Emotional people have a, a go through a wave. So they've got this consistency to their emotional state and they'll have a high point and a low point. And sometimes they have a few, so it can feel a bit erratic, but not as erratic as like someone like me who has an open solar plexus and is amplifying all that energy. So I'm all over the place emotionally. But emotional people have, you know, they have really high highs and they can have really low lows. And if they make a decision and they commit to something at the wrong point of their wave, once they get to that, you know, so say you say, yeah, I'd love to go to that conference. And then the date of the conference comes and you're like, oh my God, why did I say yes to that? I can think of nothing worse. I'd rather stick pins in my eyes, right? (laughs) Or they're the people who make um, spontaneous FOMO decisions in the moment. So shopping, right? Like they're out, they they make an impulse buy and just deeply regret that shit <laughs> the next day. Um, that's that's emotional people, and that's a really big portion of the population, and it spans across uh, well, not reflectors, but across the all types. So, yeah. um, so it doesn't matter whether you're a generator, a projector, or a manifester. Uh, there's a possibility of you being emotional, you know. And then um, projectors have like a stack of different types of inner authority. Uh, I'm splenic, which means that I'm really intuitive and I'm just here to honour the hunches in the moment. When I get this Mm. vibe of no, that's not healthy for me, I have to move away, right? Mm. Um, Other people have uh, uh, like, well, it's not really no authority, but they have to hear the sound of their own voice in order to make a a decision. Um, You know, so there's all these different types of authorities, but we all have an inner authority. That's the point, right? Like it's our body's intelligence telling us move here, don't move here, do this, don't move that, don't, don't do that, right? But most of us make our decisions in our head. Yeah. And we've been really conditioned yes. to be intellectual and like make a make a smart decision. And often that goes against our intuition. And what happens when we go against our intuition? Well, definitely. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I can't tell you how many times, like, but, you know, I've got, my husband isn't particularly into human design, but he's a uh, a sacral generator. And so many times he's like, oh, you know, he does something and he's like, oh, I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. Why did I do it? You know, because the head made head. the decision. Your gut yes. said, no, don't do that. And yeah. your head went, oh, I'd probably be okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. no, it's not okay. <laughs> So yeah, that's the types and, you know, uh, yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of authorities which probably don't have time to dig into all of them. But um, No, but it gives people a really great understanding and, I mean, even just listening to you talk about it and plus whatever I've listened previously, it's great to then think about people around you or people right. I work with I'm straight away going, oh, yes, that's that's probably because of this. Like it's it's a reason to why they are the way they are as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that besides understanding yourself, Mm. um, human design, the other thing I love it for is understanding the people around me, right? Because Mm. we do, we are all very different. We do all operate very differently. Mm. And so knowing that and having understanding that, you know, like when it comes to those centres, they all have kind of like themes for when they're defined or undefined. And, for example, the heart, I don't have a defined heart. I'm not here to um, compete. I'm not here to prove myself. I'm not here to um, commit 
you know, I don't have willpower. That heart is really a center of like drive and ambition. Mm. I don't have it. Right. And so when, when there's a defined heart around, they're often like, well, oh, you know, I hear this one all the time. Um, oh yeah. You don't want to make goals because you're afraid that you won't, you know, like you won't kick them. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, I'm just not actually designed to yeah. make goals and go after them. That's not not my design. So, no, you know, so we can kind of like have understanding. Oh, yeah, that person's really driven. Mm. That's not me, but it is them because they have a defined heart. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and that person can be like, oh, yeah, she's not here to like make shit happen and, you know, mm. go after her dreams or whatever like that. So, uh, so it does help us to really understand. But Ra, the white dude who downloaded, you know, or like created um, human design, he always said that this system is for the children. It's for parents to understand their children so that they're raising children who are not conditioned to be who they're not, you know, which we all are. Like as a projector, I've been raised as a generator, Yep. by parents who don't even you know don't even know what human design is so they mm. have, and you know my dad's actually a projector too but he's lived life trying to be a generator because that's was what was required yes um so yeah so it, it's a tool for understanding yourself but it's also a tool for having compassion and understanding for other people yeah yeah and so for you how has it helped you in your life and even the people around you your work that you do yeah so it's really helped me understand better from a like you know because I used to do a lot of coaching you were in one of my masterminds right so like I used to do I used to do a lot of business coaching and and I just thought everyone was designed to live in the moment like me as a splenic person (laughs) right like make a decision just you know just make a decision now um where that's not the case right so knowing that from a from a um a facilitator or a coach perspective I can now see, all right, so, and what used to frustrate me was emotional people would want to commit, you know, they'd be like, yes, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. And then we get together like four weeks later and they'd be like, well, actually I, I kind of sat with it and I thought, oh, I don't know. you know, and that's actually what they're designed to do. For me, if I had all this judgment around, oh my God, they're flip-flopping all the time. <laughs> you know, no, they're not. They're going through their process. Yeah. So knowing that means that I can, um, you know, work with people in a way that actually suits who they are and how they best make decisions and how they best show up in the world. So there's that aspect. Um, and then from like a uh, business perspective myself, knowing that I'm here to wait to be invited changes everything, right? Because before I was constantly out there chasing, you know, and and trying to... Um, yeah, like initiate all the time. And it just was, it just was not working for me. So it's taken a lot of time. Like, you know, I've been in the experiment for over four years now. It's taken a lot of time for me to be able to trust that things are going to come to me, that I'm not going to be overlooked, that the people who recognize me will take my services, you know, and, and will want to work with me and they'll invite me to that. Um, and so now I just really operate more from a place of of that, right? Like I'm just here to be myself and be open. I don't have to do any planning. I don't have to know where I'm going. I'm just here to kind of like go with the flow of life and people will invite me to what they recognize me for. Mm. Instead of me spending so much time, like I used to spend so much time trying to figure out what people wanted from me. And now I just let them come to me and tell me what they want from me. Yeah. 
And then it just, you know, and then I'm also not frustrated because the people actually do recognize me. And so they take on my advice rather than not recognizing me. And, you know, and I don't know, it just, there's, yeah, it's just a lot. It's just a lot easier. And it's like, and it's interesting, right? Because it's taken me to places that I didn't think I'd go myself, right? Like podcast producing. It was something that I was like, oh, I don't know. And now, you know, now I do like a lot of um, strategy and stuff with corporates around podcasting. Like I would never have um, envisaged that for myself. And human design, you know, I would never have thought that this, you know, that I'd be doing this. And, you know, I ran a podcast in-person podcasting workshop and um, and I kind of wanted to do that, but I just kind of sat around and waited for someone to invite me to it. And it was last oh, 2020, I got invited to from an organization who got funding and they wanted to run a program. Um, but then COVID kind of happened. And so we had to move it online. And I had actually kind of mapped out this program called Show Up, Speak Up. And, uh, but I had never done anything with it because I was in my human design experiment. I was like, no, I'm not, I'm just going to play with this idea and see what happens. And then someone came to me and was like, we need to spend some money before the end of financial year. We'd love for you to speak on showing up and speaking up. And I'm like, like, oh, I have that here. (laughs) Well, I've got this program right here. (laughs) So, you know, so it's just taken a lot of stress and anxiety and bitterness Yes. Away yes. from me. Right. And now I feel like a success, but I thought being a success meant, you know, having a seven figure business and, you know, being famous or whatever, when actually success is just about, I love doing one-to-one work. It's what yeah. our projector is for. We're here to work one-on-one. Um, and I love that. And, you know, and I, I wouldn't have had that if I had gone down the path of just running an online business, you know, so, yeah, so it's been an interesting journey, but there's just, yeah, there's just way less bitterness, um, a lot more feelings of success, but they've been surprising because, you know, that whole, yeah, success really is just about me being recognized um, for what I, the gifts that I bring. And uh, yeah, and, it's, and, and I thought it was so much more complicated than that. And it's really not. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I think that's why I was drawn to it, as well as just the experience of yin yoga and yeah. just knowing your different body parts and the emotions, the attachments of emotions to different body parts. Yeah. That really is what drew me into it. So what about for going away from this, how can people sort of implement it into their lives? So what would be their first step? So the first thing you would do, if you haven't experienced any human design, uh, you can get a free chart. It'll probably make no sense to you mm-hmm. at all, <laughs> um, but you can get a free chart just by Googling human design chart. And there's a site called Jovian Archive, which is where all the um, official human design stuff lives. So you can put your details in. You need your birth time. You need to know where you were born. Birth time matters because uh, because it's based on planetary movements, they do move regularly. So you can be, you know, sometimes the whole day, whether you're born at 1 a.m. or 11 p.m., you, you know, you can be a generator that entire time. But then in on some days you might be, you know, a projector one moment and a generator mm. the next or a manifester. And so, and, and so it really does matter. Like birth time does matter. Um, so if you've got that, great, but if you haven't, there's things that you can do birth time rectification, or just like put in a few different times throughout that 24 hour period and, and see what changes. Um, and then once you've got your map, I actually have a podcast series 
which is about podcasting called Rock Your Mic Right. Um, and I did a second season of that, which was about the, um, it, it's the, the first layer of human design. So I talk about the five types and I talk about the profile lines, which we haven't talked about. Well, we did. I'm a one, three, yeah. the six profile type um, profile lines. Uh, and, and so that will give you a little bit of a, you know, entry in. Mm. Um, and of course you can book a reading, you know, with me or another human design analyst. Um, I'd say just like when, if you're looking for an analyst, just look for someone that you vibe with. And, um, it's good to know a bit about their design too, you know? So, um, like I would always, I don't know, as a projector, I'd always like to get a reading from a projector, you know? Um, yeah, but also, I mean, projectors are here, like the human design system, Ra has said it was really designed for projectors, you know, um, because we do, we are very detail, thorough, um, yeah, and system orientated. But you know, like whoever vibes with you, go with it. But there are there are a lot, like there's there's a lot of um, controversy in the human design world because you know I, I self study. I haven't ever um, paid to do a course in human design. But I'm a one three. That's what I'm actually designed for. Doing a course doesn't really work for me. I'm much better just kind of digging in myself. And then there are people who have spent, you know, seven years studying this stuff through the International um, School of Human Design. And then there are people who just kind of jump in and five minutes later are teaching it and don't really have any experience but can see it's a bandwagon worth jumping on. So there's like, you know, there's all different levels, but just, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I, I kind of think when people get all uppity about that stuff, I'm kind of like, well, you know, curves exist and so, so does CrossFit, you know, like yeah. one and, and, and they're fine. Some people go from curves and eventually make their way to CrossFit. It doesn't matter how we get in, yeah. um, just that, that we get in, you know, yeah. um, and, and we, and we know a bit more about who we are and we liberate ourselves so that we can, yeah, just show. It doesn't mean like you know my life is not uh, all <laughs> rainbows and unicorns now that I found human design, um, but it does feel a bit easier a lot of the time. You know, do you and, think you're more compassionate towards yourself now that? Yeah, you're, definitely. Yeah. I mean, one of the main things that I like to do in a reading is you know obviously cover that first level stuff of like profile and um, type, but the, and authority, strategy, and authority. That's all it's about. Human design, like. If you know nothing else, you just know your strategy and authority and the rest kind of will fall into place because you're acting from a correct place. But the part that I find the most liberating is when we go through the centres and those open centres, you know, we don't have consistent access to the energy of those. So we can be a little bit more erratic. Like I was talking about the defined heart, being able to commit and seeing value and, um, you know, having willpower where an undefined heart doesn't have access to that. So each center has kind of like a, a not self theme. So for example, solar plexus, which if it's undefined, you are anything other than emotional, right? So an emotional person has that little triangle, which is the solar plexus defined. That means that that is their authority. They have to listen to their feelings. For someone like me, that um, having that solar plexus undefined means that I have this tendency because I'm highly empathetic. That is what, you know, people who have undefined solar plexus is very empathetic people because we're constantly picking up the feelings of others. Um, And so the theme for that is, am I avoiding confrontation or the truth, right? With a question like that, it's, it's a game changer. Because I know when I'm, I, I can see myself avoiding confrontation and the truth fairly regularly, 
right? Um, and it's the same with the undefined heart. Am I trying to prove myself here? Am I trying to prove? And then the undefined Ajna, am I trying to show people I'm certain of something? You know, so there's like all of these little not self themes where our openness in our, is in our chart and that can bring the biggest liberation mm. because then we can stop beating ourselves up for not being able to show up consistently and like kick our goals and like be committed or, whatever, or like, you know, um, yeah, like being confrontation avoidant um, or, yeah, or like constantly swimming around in doubt. That's what that Ajna is too. It's like a center of like black and white thinking and someone who doesn't have it defined can, you know, feel like, oh, my God, I can see so many perspectives here. It's overwhelming. I don't know what to focus on. So, so you know, like once you know those open centers yeah. and which ones you have open and those not self themes, I feel like that's really liberating and that's beyond strategy and authority, um, you know, that that's kind of like that next layer of liberation understanding yourself and understanding others and giving yes. them permission just to be themselves, but most importantly, giving you permission to just be yourself. Oh, that's beautiful. And so do you think, how does it affect your parenting? Oh, well, my daughter is emotional. So as someone who has an open solar plexus, being around someone who has a defined solar plexus, which is that emotional center, um, you know, we, our openness amplifies so so she will she has these she actually has three out of four of the emotional waves so she's a highly highly emotional person and she does like she has these really low lows and these really high highs and when she's on a high it's like magnetic but when she's crashing or when she's like you know when her emotions are like or amplifying, I'm amplifying them. I'm feeling them as she's rising. I'm like, ah, you know, and so now I know, okay, well, there's nothing actually, she's not like, you know, like, I don't know, hugely emotional or overreactive or any, it's like actually just who she is. And so for me, when I feel myself starting to get on the rise, I can remind myself, okay, this is not my feelings. And, you know, and I can just say to her, I can feel that you're starting to get really annoyed right now. I'm just going to take a little breather and then I'm going to come back, you know, so that I'm not like shaming her for having these emotions, Yeah. Um, but I'm just kind of giving her the space to feel them and also giving me the space to be able to still maintain a level head, you know, because yeah, yeah. when I'm rising with her, it can be really full on. But also my husband and my daughter are both manifesting generators. So that's a type of generator that kind of is like, you know, they're wearing the booster pack. Those guys move fast and they're busy, 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 busy. Um, and it's very difficult for me to keep up. Yeah. So knowing that about each other means that they know, hey, mum just needs some rest right now. You know, so my husband, he's come home from work and he's taken my daughter out just to like run her for a bit. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, just that kind of understanding of, of um, yeah, the different types, like, as particularly if you've got a projector child, yeah, I do. It's and or a manifester, right? Like we, you need to be constantly inviting them in, mm-hmm. inviting them into things, listening to them, acknowledging them, um, but also not not expecting them to keep up with you. Mm-hmm. If they're going to sleep in until ten a.m., that is what they're here to do, right? Um, so give them the space. Don't rip them off the lounge. Get up, you lazy. You know, like that kind of stuff is really unhelpful for a projector because it will lead to future burnout because we're going to be conditioned to constantly be trying to keep up and we need our rest, you know. Was your projector a good sleeper as a baby? 
Uh, no. No, right. No. And what what are your other what's your other child? Uh, she is a manifested generator. All well. oh, right, so she's yeah. on on speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the booster pack. Yes, yeah. So yeah, so projectors just need you know, and they also need. Oh, well, it depends because if they have an undefined spleen, sometimes they can be really, undefined spleens can be those really koala-like babies that just want to yes. be on you all the time, um, you know, but, yeah, but projectors also need to be in their own aura often because, mm-hmm. you know, they need to be out of the conditioning field a bit. So, yeah, so knowing that you have a projector is um, is really important, but also mm-hmm. knowing you have a manifester so that you're not shutting them down mm-hmm. when they're informing you of something, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think those those non-sacral types tend to be the most conditioned because we're thirty percent of the population, yeah, and the rest, yeah. you know, the rest is seventy percent. That's a lot of energy mm. <laughs> that the non-sacrals <laughs> have to deal with. <laughs> oh, Carly, it's been so lovely chatting to you and hearing all about uh, human design. It's really eye-opening, and I'm sure people out there will be like, "Wow!" I didn't even know about it for a start, and yeah. Um, and just be a little bit more open to what's out there and what they could be using maybe in their lives. So thank yeah. you so much for sharing. How can people find you? Um, so I spend most of my time on Instagram because as a projector, I don't I don't have a lot of energy to spread around. So it's pretty much just Instagram and it's at Carlosophies, um, which is also my podcast that I do on the beach. Um, if you want to check out those human design episodes, it's Rock Your Mic Right. Um, and then my website's carlynimo.com and you can book readings or sessions with me there. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Carly. And I'll put all those links in the show notes as well. So it's so great to chat to you and see you again. And, um, yeah, we'll speak soon. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me for today's Simply Happy Conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, then I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review. This helps others find it who are also looking for tips and organizational strategies to simplify their life and prioritize their health. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe so that you won't miss future episodes. You can also connect with me over at simplyhappy.com.au.